When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi there, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate, your host and author of the book, How to Be a Better Person. This week on the podcast, I'm talking about how to be a better person online. We're looking at things like shopping, social media, and screen time in general. So if this is your first episode on this theme, head back to episode 547 when they start so that you can catch the whole thing. Today, we're taking a closer look at one particular device that helps us do all these things that we do online, anywhere and anytime we want, and that's our smartphones. I'm interviewing Dr. Judd Brewer, a New York Times bestselling author, neuroscientist, addiction psychiatrist, and thought leader in the field of habit change. He is the Director of Research and Innovation at Brown University's Mindfulness Center, where he also serves as an associate professor. Dr. Judd is the Executive Medical Director of Behavioral Health at Share Care Inc. and a research affiliate at MIT. He's the author of The Craving Mind, From Cigarettes to Smartphones to Love, Why We Get Hooked and How We Can Break Bad Habits, and his newest book, Unwinding Anxiety. Dr. Judd's TED Talk on Breaking Bad Habits has over 17 million views, and I'm so excited to get his insights on forging a better relationship with our smartphones. Dr. Judd, welcome. It's really great to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me. So you work with folks to help break all kinds of habits, and you often frame it in terms of addicted behavior. Can you explain what you mean by addiction? Yes. The simple definition that I learned in residency training for addiction was continued use despite adverse consequences. So here it highlights that it's not just chemical substances that we often think about as the classical addictions, but, but really any behavior can become addictive. So how are smartphones designed to make us compulsive users? What aspects of our brains are they seeking to exploit? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Let me count the ways. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a number of things that smartphones provide. Uh, and I think that helps just to understand how our brains form habits and addictions. So it's actually a relatively simple process. So three, three elements are critical. A trigger, a behavior, and a reward or and this comes from our survival brains trying to help us remember where food is and how to avoid danger. So, for example, you know, if we see some food, think of our ancient ancestors first. You know, they saw food. Uh, that was the trigger. They ate the food. That would be the behavior. And then their stomach would send this dopamine signal to their brain that said, remember what you ate and where you found it. So, that's, that's the basic process for setting up any habit. So this can, get, uh, this can get exploited. It's not just about food, but anything can basically trigger the habit of picking up our phones. So for example, 
if somebody feels stressed, that can feel unpleasant. And then they maybe they go on their phone to look at some cute pictures of puppies or whatever, you know, on Instagram. <laughs> and that's the behavior that says, hey, that that feels better than being stressed. Why don't you do that again? So they set up this procrastination habit. Uh, they, we can have shopping habits. We can have, you know, all of these continue just despite adverse consequences. Even the the texting can can become that way because, you know, if we hear our phone chirp or or do some noise that says, hey, you just got a text, you know, our brain says, hey, what was that? You know, I need to figure out what that is. So that that brings in elements of uncertainty. You know, our brains don't like uncertainty. And so they're going to do whatever they can to minimize uncertainty. And if our phone, you know, makes a noise and we don't know, you know, who texted us, our mm-hmm. brain's going to come in and try to figure that out. The, uh, the other thing I'll add there in terms of of these phones is that What's been shown in research is that the most reinforcing type of behavioral schedule, like when you give somebody a reward, is called intermittent reinforcement, which basically means random rewards. People don't know when they're going to get them. Mm-hmm. So this element of surprise really gets at these core mechanisms of our brain. So you know you don't know when you're going to get that next text or if, if you've got all your alerts set up on your phone for email and other types of things. Any of those things can uh, signal to our brain, hey, you know, oh, you're going to get something, go check it out. And so, so these, um, as I think Cornell West put it, these weapons of mass distraction <laughs> are, <laughs> are really designed in every conceivable way, you know, whether it's convenience or the ability to distract ourselves or just to have something to do when we're bored. They're just, they're, they're really uh, addictive. Mm. And you, I loved how you defined addiction or, you know, use the definition of addiction that, you know, you're using something despite negative consequences. So when it comes to our smartphones, you know, I find that looking at the negative aspect of things can be very uh, motivating for perhaps to try and change some of those habits. So what are some of the negative consequences that maybe we're not recognizing? One of them is just the amount of time that we spend on them. You know, I teach a class each fall at at Brown on, uh, you know, these types of habits and have the students pick a habit that they're working with. A number of my students this semester are focusing on like social media use or phone use and Mm -hmm. tracking that. I think somebody just tracked the number of hours. It was almost 20 hours a week that they were spending on, I think just on social media. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's a part-time job, <laughs> that's a half-time <laughs> job. Whereas, you know, they could be spending time with their friends. They could be spending time doing many other things besides just checking their social media. So there's one example where we're just, you know, it's eating up all of our time. And that's an adverse consequence when we're trying to live our lives. Okay. So how can we use these insights about how our brains are being sort of hijacked by these weapons of mass distraction and the negative consequences that they cause and start to break that reward-seeking loop. My lab's been studying this for a couple of decades now, and I highlighted this three-step process in the Unwinding Anxiety book, uh, which can be applied to any habit. I just highlight anxiety because it is very prevalent right now. (laughs) Good timing. (laughs) Yeah. But the, the first the first step is really just mapping out whatever the habit loop is. You know, what's the trigger? What's the behavior? What's the result? So that's pretty straightforward. The second step is really tapping into our brain's reward system, knowing that our brains will, the only way to change a habit is to really 
bring awareness to the consequences of the habit or the results of the habit or mm. the behavior. So I have people ask a simple question, what am I getting from this? So for example, you know, we have this app called Eat Right Now that we just published a study on showing that having people pay attention as they go through, this is a, it's a mindfulness training for you know, stress, emotional and overeating. But what we do is we have people pay attention as they overeat. And what we found was that it only takes 10 to 15 times of somebody paying careful attention as they overeat for that reward value to shift completely to negative. So they start to shift their behavior. So that's, that's really highlights, you know, how our brains work is if you pay attention and it's not rewarding, you're going to stop doing it. So that's the, really the second step in terms of unhelpful, let's say phone habits. So we can really pay attention, you know, how much time is this costing me when I'm constantly on social media uh, as just one example. As we become disenchanted, we can then shift into that third step, which I call, you know, I think of it as finding the bigger, better offer. So if our brain's going to do behaviors that are rewarding, we can give our brains rewarding behaviors to do. And it's not just some other, you know, like, okay, look at cute pictures of kittens instead of puppies. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just <laughs> substituting one for another. But it's mm -hmm. really tapping into what I talk about here is really tapping into intrinsically rewarding mental behaviors such as curiosity and kindness. So, for example, for anxious, we can get curious about what that anxiety feels like as compared to getting stuck in a worry habit loop. Or if we're judging ourselves, we can bring kindness in in those moments rather than indulging in, I don't know, eating or something like that. And here you know, the kindness and curiosity, they just feel better than things like worrying and judging ourselves. Nice. Okay. So Dr. Judd, you developed several apps to help people change their behavior around what you call everyday addictions. So clearly smartphones aren't all bad. <laughs> how can you begin? <laughs> how can we begin to discern? So when our smartphone use is healthy and helpful, and when it's veering into addictive distraction territory? Yes, I'm glad you highlight that because this is not to vilify, you know, smartphones. It, you know, for me, I'd never be able to drive around Boston without my phone because I get <laughs> lost really quickly. Mm -hmm. So no, Boston is very difficult to navigate. <laughs> it is. It is. So here, it's really looking at the at the results, at the consequences. And so, for example, you know, going on social media. Uh, many of us go on social media for a number of reasons, and they're all fine. <laughs> it's, it's just when it, mm -hmm. when it becomes adverse consequences. I'm thinking of an example. I was working with a resident physician who uh, she was, you know, was with her in our addiction clinic, and she was, she was actually using one of our uh, mindfulness apps. I think it was either the uh, Craving to Quit app for just as a, we have one for smoking, one for overeating. It, but she was just using those as a way to start to I, kind of learn these habit loops. And what she mm -hmm. told me was that one day she kind of woke up from a, where she was on autopilot because she was just constantly checking her news feed. And she noticed that it was dinner time. Her two small kids were sitting eating at the dinner table and she was standing away from the dinner table checking her news feed. And she had this realization, this awakening where she, she was thinking, oh my gosh, how did, it, how did it come to this? I'm not even sitting down having dinner with my kids. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, and she, didn't, she hadn't realized it. So 
there's a great example of, of really just bringing that awareness in. So what's something folks who are listening to this podcast right now can do as soon as it ends to support them in their efforts to break their smartphone addiction or even begin to understand their relationship to their smartphone in a different way? I think the first step is really, you know, it's, this is all about knowing how our minds work. If we can't, if we don't know how our minds work, we can't work with them. So this starts with the mapping. You know, I, that's where I start with all of my patients. That's where I start with all my friends, with anybody mm-hmm. that says, you know, how do I start? Just map your mind, like start to become aware of these habit loops. And it really doesn't take very long to start to identify, you know, the triggers, the behaviors, the results. But as we do that, we really start to illuminate that internal space and we see how we're driven in ways that we haven't noticed before. Is there anything else you wish folks knew and understood about their relationship to their devices? Well, we've covered a lot. And I would mm-hmm. say, you know, it's it's really about seeing these things as neutral, you know, neutral arbiters. It's kind of like a knife, you know, a knife can be helpful for cooking uh, and it mm-hmm. can also, we can cut ourselves with it if we're not careful. <laughs> So here it's really about awareness. It's a really about curiosity and it's really about knowing ourselves, you know, and we even, we just put out a new app called uh, Unwinding from ShareCare, which is, it's our aim is there is just to help people understand all the different ways that we get caught up in these different habit patterns. So we've put out these mini courses on like procrastination, on anger, on kindness, on, you know, just what the brain, you know, brain 101 types of things. And so mm-hmm. my, my aim there is, you know, is to help people really know themselves so that they can live happier, healthier lives. Awesome. Well, thank you for that work. I love so much of what you're talking about and, and how awareness is the first step. I think that's such a, a doable goal for people. I think people think, oh my <laughs> yes. gosh, I have to change my whole behavior. I'm going to change my life. And sometimes you just need to start paying attention. So yes, awareness, it, you know, it's good at the beginning, it's good in the middle, and it's good at the mm-hmm. end. <laughs> so, no, I love that. Yeah. Um, for listeners who'd like to hear more, where can they find you and where can they find these apps that you're working on? They sound great. I have a website called drjud.com, drjud.com that list all these these apps as well as a bunch of free resources in case folks want to learn more about their minds. Okay, great. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Hi, this is Kate coming back with your tiny assignment. I love how Dr. Judd broke down this whole idea of assessing how addicted you are into three simple steps, which is writing down the trigger, what makes you reach for your smartphone, then the behavior, What do you do when you're on your smartphone? And then the result. So what happens after you reach for your smartphone? So that's what your tiny assignment is. The next time you're tempted to pick up your smartphone, just ask yourself, what is my trigger? What made me want to do this? Was it a notification? Was it a curiosity to see if somebody had written you back yet? What could it be? I notice that I often look for my phone when I need to work on something that's going to require some brain power. (laughs) And I would rather do something frivolous and fun and get some dopamine. Now I know that that's what's going on there instead of think. So write down your trigger, write down what you do once you pick up the phone, and then be honest about the result. 
in my case, if I pick up my phone when I really want to be thinking about something or really need to be thinking about something, the result is that it takes me a while to remember what I was doing. It takes me a while to get back in the groove. And then I start to get a little bit churned up like, ah, I just wasted time. So what are your three things? And remember to look at them with curiosity and with kindness. And then be sure to come back tomorrow when we are going to take a gentle, curious, and kind look at the question, are you meaner online than you are in real life? Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N. Or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 